Hello and welcome to the About to Interview podcast. I'm your host, that guy named John. This is a supplemental version of the About to Interview podcast, which drops every Wednesday and covers movies, TV shows, film festivals, and more. You can follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. And make sure to subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Blueberry, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This show focuses solely on the conversations that I have with authors, directors, actors, and creators, and is available on YouTube as well as subscribing to the podcast. Make sure to click the subscribe button below, give a thumbs up, and check out the full show notes with links to the guests at abouttoreview.com. Joining the show right now is Lorraine Sink, who is an actor, improviser, writer, director, and of course host of The Whip, The Big Marvel Show, and The Marvel Minute on Marvel.com. And if that were not enough, she is also one of the co-authors of Marvel Absolutely Everything You Need to Know and the latest book, Ultimate Marvel. Welcome to the show, Lorraine. Oh my gosh, thank you. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> well, I mean, I like to take the first five minutes and give everyone's titles. So, you know. Yeah, and mine takes five minutes these days. <laughs> like I mentioned, you have a ton of projects going on, it seems like, at all times. Yeah, usually. Luckily, today I'm working from home, so lucky me. Nice. And just recently, you were up in my neck of the woods. Uh, you're in Everett at the Funko headquarters. I was. Yeah, it was super fun. We did um, a big shoot over at Funko HQ with Twit, the big Marvel show, where we sort of walked through and showed off all of the, the cool stuff in there, which was just a blast because it's basically like a theme park <laughs> inside with like that is what it looked like displays. It's It was a blast. Yeah, we had a really good time. Nice. Yeah, it just opened recently. It is only like 30 minutes away from me and I have not gone yet. Oh, Sorry. Cool. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, I definitely plan to one of these days. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so as I mentioned, you come from the world of, of acting and improv. What kind of made you change and want to become a writer? Well, you know, it's funny because I actually always was a writer. So I I did kind of come through acting. In college, I studied acting. But part of that was uh, show structure. And I always was a comic book fan. I grew up with comics and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I fell into the comedy world because I felt like that was a better niche for me uh, than the acting world. Because I'm a little bit more silly maybe than I am uh, <laughs> like serious and dramatic. Right. So I fell into comedy writing. And so I, I started doing a vlog with friends uh, where I was talking about a lot of geeky stuff and comic books because that's what my sort of side passion was my the things that I enjoyed talking about right uh, and doing it in a comedic fashion so it kind of just all blended together and then Marvel found me from that and so then I went into to working on that and writing instead of just writing comedy kind of gearing it towards the Marvel brand because you have been working with Marvel for a couple years right yeah for almost five years <laughs> a long oh, time oh wow now. yeah <laughs> So I've been with them for, for a good slice of time. Wow. What would you say, in your opinion, is one of the biggest things that you have been able to do in the past five years? Oh, boy. Gosh. I mean, I get to uh, I co-host the red carpet premieres for a lot of the Marvel films. And that 
feels really epic. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, I mean, that's been just really cool because it's, you know, I'm a small town girl. I'm from a little town in California, which a lot of people give a hard time called Bakersfield, California. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Where oil used to be. Yeah, where oil used to be <laughs> when we had it. Um, and a lot of farming and stuff. It's pretty small town. So it feels pretty glitz and glam to get to do the Hollywood thing. But also, I have to say, you know, it's it's been really cool. You know, this is my second book. And to have something in print where you can go to Barnes & Noble and your mom and dad can go see your name in a book feels like, really awesome <laughs> that definitely great. is pretty incredible especially the amazing books that the dk puts out oh yeah they really are so beautiful i i think they do such a lovely job of just like making a book be kind of an experience which is one reason yeah. i was really happy to work with them tell me about some of your first comic book memories oh sure so comic books i i grew up with comic books i have an older brother who was a better reader than I was, obviously, because <laughs> he's five years older. Uh, so he was kind of my first uh, experience with comic books because I would kind of steal his. And when we mm -hmm. were little, especially when we go up to my grandparents' house, my um, my parents, there's one tiny store in town. My mom's from a town called Klatskanai, Oregon, which is a town of about 600. <laughs> yeah, okay. even smaller than Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing to do there except for like, you know, go through the woods and both me and my brother are a bit of indoor kids. So <laughs> what uh, some would call indoorsy. <laughs> yeah, we're very indoorsy. But uh, <laughs> or especially at that age, we were. So there was one shop in town and we would go pick out our comic for the week. And that was like what you would read 50 times while you sat indoors <laughs> hiding from mm -hmm. from nature. Uh, <laughs> so it kind of started like that. And my mom, too, her and her big brother, when they were little, had a bunch of Disney comics oh, okay. that were total antiques that my brother and I destroyed completely, Ugh. which I know it's heartbreaking <laughs> to think about now where I'm like, those comics are so, so rare, you know, like really early Disney comics that they had gotten uh, probably even secondhand for them. So oh, wow. tore the page pages off of them. So lots of summer reading. Uh I, I started going to Comic-Cons pretty young. <laughs> okay. I think my first one, I was about 11. And it was, oh, wow. Yeah, so it, it's been a, a few years. Now, was this Comic-Con in Bakersfield, or did you have to go somewhere else? No, we actually went to San Diego Comic-Con. We went down... Oh. Yeah, a few. we went down a few times when I was like in sort of like uh, pre-teen and early teenage years. Before it was the monstrosity that it is right now. Yeah, when it was really just Comic-Con. It was just like a bunch of people selling comics, people doing signings at their little booths selling their issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was pretty fun. Absolutely. And yeah, coming up, you are going to be going to New York Comic-Con. Yeah, it's so soon. <laughs> I got to prep. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I think I might be going. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, I'm still working out some some details because, uh, yeah, that would be incredible to go to that type of spectacle. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think New York and Ch or New York, Chicago, San Diego are like kind of the three biggest, uh, you know, C2E2 and New York Comic Con besides, of course, San Diego. But I think New York, like I really love the soul of New York Comic Con. OK, I, I think it's got it's. It's pretty crowded because it's New York, so real estate right. 
is always in demand, but I just love it. I love how passionate people are. There's a ton of cosplayers and you could just, I, I don't know. I just think it's really sweet because I think there are so many people in San Diego that are super fans, but there are also a ton of people that are like kind of in the industry and they're right. like doing their fabricated costumes that they do in their fancy shop. And I feel like in New York, there's a lot of people who just are like trying to craft in their tiny apartments and they work so hard and they plan for so right. long. And there's something about it that it like the energy is really infectious. Very cool. Well, hopefully I get a chance to experience that along with you. Uh, and yeah, just a couple weeks. It is right on the corner. Yeah. Uh, going back to the book, Ultimate Marvel. So growing up, you know, you and I were reading comics, you know, kind of in that bronze age, you know, of the, the 90s and some 80s stuff. Mm -hmm. Of course, your mom, it sounds like, had stuff from the golden age yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of comics. This book, this new Ultimate Marvel books, takes a different approach to those ages as opposed to the golden, silver, and bronze age that we grew up with. This one has a few more. This has the golden age, Atlas age, Marvel age, bronze age, modern, and heroic. <laughs> yeah, basically it's just everything. I think that's kind of, I mean, it's funny because there are all of these ages that we kind of try to break things down into, but really this is just like, where do comics start and where are they now? And it's everything in between. It's really mm -hmm. comprehensive. It's really, it spans an insane amount of time to the point where, you know, that stuff, like some of the comics and stuff that we are talking about don't exist anymore. Like there's stuff that oh, yeah. only exists in people's private collections in comic book stores, you know, like they're, they're hard copies. They don't exist in the digital world people don't even have scans of them anymore. So like, mm -hmm. you know, some of the stuff that was in the really early ages, sometimes like between writers and stuff, people would have to bounce things around of like what different people were writing about because you're just like, I don't have access to this, this writing, the mm -hmm. ride kid or something or, or combat <laughs> Kelly, like these really old comics that you're like, they're the issues that exist, exist. And that's it. Mm hmm. Well, and that was a, a problem with, you know, a lot of collectors, you know, like myself and like you, that that older generation of comics, that golden age of comics, they A, had low print runs. Right. And B, there was a time when they were told to send them back into the company so they could pulp them for war bonds. And so they had because they're running short on paper. <laughs> so it was yeah. like, those are just not around. And that definitely makes it, you know, more challenging before they had these massive print runs and reprint runs. Yeah, I mean, I think too, that's, that's something that's really, I think, fun about this book is if you're a reader that, you know, started in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, the current age, you know, mm -hmm. you're a new reader, you're just gonna find so many things. And even if you're a really well versed reader, there are going to be things that you're gonna be like, Oh, my God, I didn't know that. Or mm -hmm. I've never even heard of this storyline or this out-of-print comic um, that I think will be really interesting and might be really fun new um, sort of places for people to pick up their collecting. Yeah. So when you, because I know with books like this, and you mentioned it earlier, with a book this massive, <laughs> it is split among all of you guys across the country, just, you know, little chunks yeah. here and there. What was something kind of in your chunk of material that you had 
what was kind of one thing that maybe you learned that maybe you did not know before? Oh my God. I like, honestly, a lot, a lot. Cause mm-hmm. there, you know, and I think in any reader, even if you sat down and you read everything, um, from one to 600, <laughs> right. there are just going to be things that you're like, Oh, right. I forgot that. Or I learned that as for one thing, gosh, I get my books confused because um, <laughs> all of that information like gets smushed in together. I think I the things that I always find really charming that I like to kind of look back on and the things that really tickle me are like the stories where, okay, so like Loki in particular has taken like a really dark turn, especially right. like a few years ago. He's gotten to be lighter again with like the films coming out and that kind of influencing his character. But for a while, he got really dark, just like really hmm. sinister. And but it's really fun to go and look back at like the early Avengers run and just to be reminded of how ridiculous Loki was because he was more of a god of mischief. So it's like him turning oh, yeah. buildings into ice cream and all of that stuff, which just <laughs> right. like is really tickling to be like, oh, right. He wasn't always like sexy Tom Hiddleston. At one point, he was this sort of mischievous god. At other points, he's this really dark uh, sort of. Uh, sinister brooding brooding yeah exactly very emo um and he wasn't always that way so i i think it's fun just to look at all of the iterations of the characters and to be reminded of their their journey because too we think about a lot of the classic classic stuff in the early 60s as being like you know really fun and like having stan stan lee's voice in it you know and really like next week true believers (laughs) uh (laughs) And seeing the fun change of character, I think it's just really charming to be reminded of that. Awesome. Were there any were there any characters that you kind of wish you could expand on a little bit more? I mean, again, knowing that this book is already massive, but it is still a publishing house and they still have limits. Well, of course, you know, actually, when I was going through my writing with my wonderful editor, I was mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I don't have any female characters in my sort of A spreads and our larger spreads. And I'd really, I feel strongly that we should feature our female characters. Like within the Marvel line, we have, I think, around 20 or no more than that. It's it's a crazy amount of solo, solo uh, comic books at this point that are all mm-hmm. female led. That I think the women are just important as the men. And we should have female characters that are in the A spreads that are our larger spreads as well. And he was like, wow, that's a really great point. I didn't even notice that. Like let's Mm. work on that. And so we added a couple of um, larger spreads for the female characters and bumped up a couple of other spreads to be like sort of B spreads and like larger spreads also. So I definitely wish we could have featured even more female characters just in general. There are so many characters I think that are becoming increasingly popular also and that are going to be really well known like squirrel girl is going to be the head of a team right. on a tv series soon in new warriors and i i there's some part of me that's like squirrel girl she's also like my favorite character so i'm like awesome she deserves her a spread <laughs> people are going to care about her soon mm-hmm. i mean I and she has a character uh she has a character that even kind of diehard fans do not really know that much about yeah, I mean, really, Ryan Q. North started writing a wonderful series with her two or three years ago, and it's gained, like, huge cult following, it, and it's he's won Eisner's and all of this stuff for his mm-hmm. work on that, 
and she's starting to really gain some traction. But she's been one of my favorite characters because she's such an underdog and she's such a like absolutely sort of <laughs> cultural joke. But she's such an awesome character. So I mean, I think there's there's plenty of room, and and two, there's just so many. I don't know. There's so many kick-ass ladies just in general. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. Uh, so one of the things, and I mean, you are the host of a of a show that has a very particular sound effect attached to it, <laughs> which is the whip. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, and I just noticed that Robot is wanting to join oh, our conversation. Yeah. Sorry, if you heard a sneeze just now, that is my eight-pound <laughs> chihuahua robot, the dog, who mm-hmm. um, is not super respectful of my time or space. <laughs> I mean, hey, you're working from home, which means he is working with you. He, yeah, he's always my um, my editor, my <laughs> my my best friend, my my little Watson. Sounds good. Uh, so back to the sound effect. Oh sure. So the whip is the is the name of your show, one of the shows on Marvel. So do you have a favorite comic book sound effect? Oh well, I have. I mean, it has to be Thwip. It is Thwip. I say Thwip <laughs> like thirty times a day minimum. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just has to be Thwip. I mean, Zoom is great. Kachung, all of those are great. Um, mm-hmm. The weirder, the better. But Thwip all day, every day. Okay, one of mine is from an old issue of Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and it was when he and Black Cat were fighting the Blob, mm-hmm. and he attacks him, and it says Splub. <laughs> and the blob even like references it in the comic very much like Deadpool would and he was like was that a slub he was like normally I'm used to pow so <laughs> so thwip solid answer I can definitely understand that yeah it does have a special place in my heart and on my <laughs> hoodie I have a hoodie <laughs> oh nice well of course you have a hoodie <laughs> yeah. uh, so since I know that you like to play games uh, on your show for sure and and with guests uh, there was one there's one game you did with Anthony Mackey from a couple years ago where you oh, played yeah. charades mm-hmm. he was so, the best at charades also Anthony Mackey who plays Falcon in the films mm-hmm. is so funny and so good like you know you never know if somebody's gonna like want to play or whatever when they get in right. there and he was the best he was so good at it (laughs) and also one of the most hilarious people i've ever seen enter marvel entertainment proper he walked in and he literally he was so stoked to be there because he's such a Mm -hmm. fanboy himself he walked in he was like what's up marvel hey marvel and like literally people were standing up at their desks like what (laughs) who is shouting at us right now (laughs) he was adorable but yes he was a great time although charades might not uh go great on a podcast yeah, no, so I have, a, <laughs> I have a different uh, game okay. that I came up with. Just a couple quick questions, lightning round style. Okay. So, Lockheed versus Lockjaw. Who wins in a game of fetch? Oh, well, Lockjaw wins in a game of fetch because he can <laughs> teleport, obviously. He can go anywhere very quickly. And one of them is a mystical dragon, though. So I, I was trying to think of that. Well, I mean, I, mean he, I think Lockheed is smarter, but I'm Lockjaw. That's like his deal. <laughs> like that's his profesh. So I wouldn't mess with it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, next one, Blade 
versus Wade, as in Wade Wilson, <laughs> Deadpool. <laughs> uh, Blade versus Wade. Um, well, see, that's a hard one. I, I'm going to put my money on Wade because he's so hard to kill. Hmm. I mean, and I, I probably I don't think should have started. <laughs> right. But he would die less. <laughs> ah, okay. That makes sense. I was going to say, I should have said before the game, there are right answers to these. Oh, are so, there? Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, but so so far, you know, you're, you're doing all right. That's I like it. Uh, next one, personal choice. If you could have a Quinjet or the Blackbird, which would it be? Oh, Quinjet. Totes. Really? Yeah, Stark Technology. I mean, I don't know. It seems pretty dope. Quinjet, yeah. Quinjet. It's hmm. a... I mean, it's basically a helicarrier in the sky. That's pretty dope. True, true. I've always been partial to the Blackbird, only because I loved the actual plane, the SR-71. So you throw in some Shi'ar technology, mm, Blackbird would be, would be pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, both are dope, no question. But it's <laughs> like, it's basically like, do you want a sports car or do you want a stretch hummer? And in this case, I want a stretch hummer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Valid. Valid. Uh, and then the last one. In a game of chess, mm-hmm. Doctor Doom or Doctor Strange? <sighs> oh, that's a good <laughs> question. Mm. Doctor Doom or Doctor Strange? God, that's a good mm-hmm. question. I, I try it. I mean, this is not an easy game. That, that would not make it any fun at all. <laughs> Well, it's like Dr. Doom is magical, but also he's very calculating. But Dr. Mm-hmm. Strange, I feel like, would just like do a spell and be like, oh, I made a mistake. I'll go back and fix it. Um, <laughs> if he were the Benedict Cumberbatch version, then yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm going to put my money on Dr. Strange because I feel like good always prevails over evil. Um, but I feel like it would be such a good chess match. Okay. Excellent. Uh, so that kind of wraps it up for the lightning round and and my questions. But what did are I some things? Use that, right? Like, uh, no? You did. Okay, great. Uh, I mean, I am partial to to Lockheed and Blade, so you, you chose against those two, but you had I, good reasons. I, you know, I had my rationale. Of but course. that's the great thing about comics is like somebody will win one fight in one comic, and then the next one they'll beat somebody else, and you never know, like just depends on uh who's writing it very true one of my favorite issues of damage control from back (laughs) in the day uh dr doom basically owes a bunch of money and they send a guy from damage control to go and collect so basically dr doom gets defeated by an insurance agent well dr doom also (laughs) has been defeated by squirrel girl and he is notably scared of squirrels so like he has, he has weaknesses. It's just not probably chess. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Great. Uh, so what other, other than New York City Comic Con coming up in just a couple of weeks, what are some of the next projects on your crazy busy schedule that you have coming up? Well, uh, with the big Marvel show comes out every Tuesday on mm-hmm. Marvel.com and uh, YouTube.com slash Marvel as well as the Marvel Minute comes out every Monday. Uh, So that's like ongoing. That's every week, Mm -hmm. pretty much. Uh, So you guys can always check out that. Uh, We'll probably be doing some cool stuff around the premiere of Marvel Studios Thor Ragnarok. 
Right. Uh, that film comes out, I believe, on November 3rd-ish. So, Some, yeah, something like that. Coming up. So there will be some cool stuff leading up to that that I'm sure we'll be doing. And then, and then you know, just hold on to your pants until the holidays, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, one of the things that I, I'm hoping they put in Thor, in a Thor movie at some point, one of those ridiculous characters that for some reason I liked was Throg. He oh, was the, the frog Throg. that yeah. was imbued with powers. Mm-hmm. So um, one of these days. One one day, a big fan of Throg. I have a Throg that sits over on my cabinet over there. Really? Uh, I really do. He's so cute. Um, yeah, you know, I feel like if anybody is going to honor it, Taika Waititi, who's the director for the film, True. so funny. My God, he's so funny. He wore a romp him to San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> of course. Uh, as in the male version of the romper. He's uh-huh. hilarious. But he also, I feel like, gets Thor in a in a mm-hmm. really fun different way um like the Brana films I think were great um and it really honored his sort of like classic Norse mythology beginnings right. and this is really has like fun Walter Simonson feeling to it like where it was kind of more like rock and roll Thor and mm-hmm. like where he is like this big poetic god but also with like some good 70s feels i don't know i'm really excited to see it i haven't seen anything of it other than the trailers everybody else has seen so far so i'm excited i was gonna i was gonna say because i mean you happen to work in a place where somebody has already seen it oh yeah i i did get to see um uh, guardians of the galaxy volume two i got to see that before it was finished and that was oh wow really so interesting because I got to see how the CGI was kind of coming together. And there would be mm-hmm. like a scene where suddenly it would be like outlines of Rocket Raccoon and like a green background. And then it would come back in. And it was just really cool to see the process. So I kind of hope that maybe I'll get to see some of that this time around. But it might it's getting so late now. Who knows? It, it's probably film is just about done. I imagine. Yeah, I, I would I mean, I would kind of hope so, considering it is <laughs> not too long until it comes out. Well, but you know, stuff takes is I think it's surprising sometimes because stuff does take time when they're building these huge worlds with True. all of this CGI and stuff. You know, it it just takes time to build that. So, and the, and I think that they do do a fair amount of fine tuning, you know, as it comes together and gets edited and stuff. So, you know, it's really it is such a cool process, and I think that's why it's fun to watch the DVD extras. <laughs> oh, I am a fiend for for DVD extras and behind the scenes stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'm I have a feeling there's gonna be some like cool Taika Watiti, like you know, he's got um I can't remember the name of the actress, but an actress that's in a lot of his films is making an appearance in this film, so I think it's gonna have some of his like signature sort of stuff in it also, which I'm excited to see. Fantastic. So anyways, guys, look out for that. Cool. And then where can people follow all of your adventures on social media? Um, I'm pretty much Lorraine Sink everywhere, and that's L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E-C-I-N-K on Twitter, Instagram. You can like me on Facebook, all that stuff. But it's it's pretty much that. Excellent. And I will put links to uh, both of your Marvel shows in oh, the thanks. show notes below. And since people will be you know, listening to this on YouTube, they can just go ahead and click that and head on over to your shows. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you again, Lauren, for for making the time. Uh, Thank you, Robot, for behaving and being being the best dog. (laughs) He's he's trying. It's pretty hard for him. 
Right. Uh, Making well, a lot of commentary. <laughs> True. Uh, well, yeah, then we will catch up with you uh, and we'll make sure to follow all of your your works. So thank you again, Lauren or hey. Lorraine. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Common thing. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, nice to talk to you. Talk to you guys later. I'm welcoming to the show uh, a travel writer, journalist, explorer, adventurer, adventurer, <laughs> uh, Adam Bray to the show. Welcome, sir. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, and among all of those other titles, you're also the co-author of two different Marvel books that DK has put out uh, recently, one of which is coming out very soon. Marvel, absolutely everything you need to know, and Ultimate Marvel, which is the latest one. Right, yeah, they uh, they keep me busy there at DK. I've been thankful to uh, pretty much have uh, DK and Star Wars books nonstop from them. Yeah, you have been definitely a very busy person uh, with DK, but one of the things that I wanted to get into before we get into uh, the DK books is you have traveled all over the world as, as a writer and journalist and photographer. And I wanted to know kind of what place have you been to that has inspired you the most? Sure. Um, I think the, the top two are uh, Vietnam and New Zealand. I, uh, I lived in Vietnam for uh, about seven years. Um, I was in the south central part of the country living uh, on the beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, working as a travel writer, I uh, worked on about 40 different uh, travel guides um, and did that just in a span of about five years. Um, wow. So I, I was working nonstop. I think it's probably a little unusual to do that many guides, but mm-hmm. um, because I was, I was actually living there, uh, it helped me kind of corner the market on uh, the whole, that whole niche. So uh, that kept me busy, and I freelanced for uh, CNN and National Geographic and BBC and some others. Um, and then uh, from there, I went to Cambodia, and then I decided to leave uh, Southeast Asia and uh, spent spent a bit of time in New Zealand off and on. And uh, I just I really loved that. Uh, it was funny that New Zealand and Vietnam—they're both similar. Um, in that they have such varied uh, landscapes, mm, um, okay. in just, you know, in such tiny in such tiny countries, there's um, there's a whole continent's worth of scenery. You have both done some photography stuff for DK and some Star Wars books for for DK, which also you know has gorgeous landscapes and scenery. Had you always been into Star Wars growing up? Yeah, I had. Um, I I remember seeing it as a, as a kid in a drive-in movie theater. Awesome. Um, the the first Star Wars movie. Um, so it's it's one of my earliest memories. And then uh, the first birthday I can remember, um, I got the Millennium Falcon and uh, the the first run of action figures. Um, so and it was. Star Wars was definitely one of the biggest um, cultural influences on my life. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, uh, primarily, you know, I was born uh, in the seventies, but I consider myself a kid of the eighties. Okay. Um, so that it's it, it was definitely the biggest uh, formulative 
cultural influence for me. Um, but, you know, when the late 80s and the early 90s came, you know, mo most of us thought Star Wars was over. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know, I kind of moved on with my life and sold my Star Wars collection to buy my first computer, um, which I really regret <laughs> doing in many ways now. You know, I, I sold it for just a pittance of mm -hmm. what it's worth now. So some of those, because I had... I had nearly a complete collection of pristine action figures, and I had a lot of uh, ships and vehicles and things. And you know, those last uh, 20 or so action figures—they're um, anywhere from 100 to 200 dollars each to buy on eBay. So mm -hmm. it's crazy what they're, uh, some of them are worth now. I had it in the back of my head that oh, DK—I'm doing travel books for them, but maybe. Someday after I get enough, uh, you know, writing under my belt, um, maybe I could come back to them and, you know, maybe I could see if they needed me to write some Star Wars stuff. It just happened that uh, Ryder Wyndham, uh, Star Wars author, uh, gave me a recommendation and helped me get my foot in the door to um, switch departments. Nice. And uh, I got, got you know, working on my first Star Wars book. Um, uh, Star Wars, uh, What Makes a Monster, which is just a little uh, kids' reader book about the, the creatures in the movies. Mm -hmm. And it just went went from there. Um, DK liked my work, so they kept giving me more and uh, bigger books. And uh, I love Star Wars, but uh, I, I, obviously I like Marvel, too, and I find the movies... Uh, a lot of fun, so I, you know, I kept asking them, you know, you got me Marvel books that need an author. Since you have been involved in two of these massive Marvel books, you know, encyclopedia-style books that go over so many characters, so many timelines, and weapons, and all of that, while you were doing your research for this book, what were some facts about the characters that were new to you? For every character, um, you know, I'm always finding uh, new things. Um, and it can be a little bit overwhelming um, to rake through a lot of that material. So I do find it helpful um, to look through uh, some of the, the other books that DK has done. Uh, so I have a very quickly, uh, rapidly expanding library of DK books mm -hmm. um, to see how they... Um, how they've covered the characters in the past and what they uh, consider important. And that, that gives me a good starting point, um, kind of an outline then to expand on and fill in the gaps depending on uh, how much space that I have for uh, any given character. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I can only begin to imagine the <laughs> the amount of work it takes to then not only to do all of the research, but then your writing style, you know, approaching it, looking at it as more of an encyclopedia and not, you know, some fiction or something like that. That writing approach and research approach has to just be so intense. It really is. It's, um, it's like writing term papers for the rest, you know, college term papers for the rest of your life. <laughs> right. Um, and there's there's so much uh, material for this book. Um, 
it was it's definitely one of the most laborious books uh, that I have ever tackled um, even with three other co-authors um, I know we all spent uh, several months um, doing our, our own parts and uh, you know I once I started you know I'd be working from the time I got up in the morning till the time you know I went to bed at night mm -hmm. and just do it again every single day you know without any weekends or, or holidays or anything for several months until it was done and uh, you just with these books you've, you've got to stay on schedule so I'd be writing anywhere from um, you know a thousand to two thousand words in a day um, which <laughs> yeah that's, I'm not a fast writer I'm, I'm actually very slow that is still uh, really impressive you know, writing <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> It's, um, yeah, because we were writing, it, I was writing with my schedule at least one one spread a day. So I worked spread by spread until it was done, uh, sending it off to the editor. Um, and then a month or two later, uh, they come back with um, questions uh, mm -hmm. where we've got to clarify or expand something. Um, and then uh, captions for the photos and mm -hmm. um, any diagrams on things. What are some of the next projects that you are excited for? Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I'm actually in a little bit of a lull at the moment because um, I've been uh, working nonstop for about a year and a half without a break or any vacation. Okay. <laughs> um, but now uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this summer has been uh, pretty light. Um, so I'm catching up on, uh, you know, other areas of my life and working on some uh, personal projects, um, doing some drawing and writing some short stories, um, uh, working on some music, um, also a composer, um, and working on uh, a memoir of uh, my time living in Vietnam. Um, I'm in, I am in discussions for um, some books. Uh, for a couple of different uh, franchises, okay. uh, but uh, those are, those are still in discussion mode, so I, I haven't started on them yet. So I'm hopeful about uh, some exciting things I may uh, get started on soon. Sounds good. Uh, well, thank you, Adam, uh, so much for taking the time. The book is Ultimate Marvel. This book is massive and has a ton of information. And then where can people find... Uh, your most up-to-date information on social media if they want to reach out, kind of see what you're working on next or find some of your other work. Sure. Um, I'm on uh, both Twitter and Facebook. Uh, the name is uh, at author Adam Bray, all one word. Okay. Uh, my website is adambray.com. Um, it's the information on there is not quite up to date, but hopefully I'll be fixing that soon. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Well, thank you again, Adam, for taking the time and we will talk soon. All right. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the about to interview podcast, which is an about to review production. Make sure to click the subscribe button below, give a thumbs up and check out the full show notes with links to the guests below 
as well as on the website abouttoreview.com. Thank you to my amazing guests, and also thank you to Bexing Media, who provides audio and video editing services for this podcast. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find all of their work at vexingmedia.com, as well as on Facebook and Twitter at Vexing Media. Make sure to follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review, and subscribe to the podcast About to Review, which comes out every Wednesday. Thank you.